Hi, everyone. I'm Taylor from TaylorPingman.com, and I help mamas create empowered, joy-filled lives so they can show up for motherhood, their careers, and themselves with more confidence, happiness, and fulfillment. This week's guest is Shannon Gabor. Shannon is the founder of Clever Creative, an independent, female-owned and operated creative branding agency based in LA and a mama to two younger kids. In this episode, Shannon shares her professional journey, starting out as an intern at an advertising agency, and then moving over to Brandside at Mattel, and ultimately leaving a lucrative career there to start her own agency, Clever Creative. She also reflects on the hard work and the trust she has in herself and in the process that has gotten her where she is now. And as a badass mompreneur, she shares some extremely helpful time management tips and perspective shifts that ensure her family gets Shannon Gabor mom and her business gets Shannon Gabor CEO. As a mompreneur myself, this conversation with Shannon just lit me up (laughs) and gave me so much energy and It was a reminder for me of the importance of community and who you surround yourself with, both professionally and in motherhood. If you're a mompreneur yourself or you have dreams of someday starting your own business, I think you'll know what I mean as you listen in. Shannon's passion and energy are contagious, and I warn you, (laughs) after listening to this week's episode, you may just find yourself daydreaming about starting your own business someday. All right, let's dive into this week's episode. So I started this podcast a couple months ago, um, probably in the start of, of COVID, mm. and um, it, really, it really came from a place of like seeing and hearing what my community of mamas was going through, and then also sharing more of my experience and, and realizing that by doing that, it was not only like healing for me, but mm. um, was helpful for other mamas. Um, so I started sharing more and mm. I, then I asked the group, I sent out a survey. I'm like, what would be helpful? What, like, what is everybody struggling with right now? What, how can I be of service right now? And there was such an array of topics that I figured, I think the most helpful way would be to start a podcast. I can interview some people, get their perspectives on things, um, share more of my personal experiences, mm-hmm. see how that resonates. And it's been really great. It's been really mm-hmm. helpful. And so yeah, when Sophia was like, hey, yeah. do you want to talk to Shannon about, you know, how she's working and dealing through this right now? I'm like, that's yeah. exactly the topic that I've been wanting to like, find the right person to talk to about this. So, Aww. I mean, you're like a, a boss lady, like you're a mama, you've got yeah. everything. So, well, yeah. congratulations, first of all. Like, I think the biggest thing in this moment, even I've been doing this for 15 years on my own, but like, regardless of pandemic or no pandemic, like if we can't see each other, as cheesy as it sounds, and then it's never going to work. Like, I think that there are so many pushes and pulls in the life of a woman, regardless of even a parent, like a mom part of it. Like, I think just as a woman in the workplace, a woman in life, woman in the world, I think that as we raise little noodles, in addition to all that pressure, you really lose sight of like, what do I need to continue to thrive? Because all my energy is going elsewhere, whether it's a business or a kid or whatever. Sometimes we have to solve for what our needs are. And then Mm -hmm. we start to realize that the world around us would equally love it as well. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that's usually where like entrepreneurs are born, right? Like we're basically trying to solve something that didn't work for us, doesn't exist for us, or maybe there's versions of it, but it's just not our same alignment, you know? And so we Mm -hmm. have to create it in order to have it. Hi there. Thanks for listening in. We are a few weeks into our first Virtual Mamas group, uh, and I have loved getting to know this awesome group of mamas. Our time together has proven how important groups like this are, especially during weird times like these. So I am excited to announce that we'll be doing a second group starting up in the new year. Together we'll meditate, journal, connect with each other, and reconnect with ourselves, all from the comfort of your bed your couch, or the only vacant, quiet room or closet in your home. If you're interested in learning more about the group and connecting with a great community of like-minded mamas, you can be added to the waitlist by filling out an application on my website at taylorpingman.com and just click on the Mindful Mamas tab at the top. Thanks again for tuning in. Let's get back to this week's episode.
let me let me just drop in for a second and just ask how are you <laughs> oh thank you today i'm very good yeah yesterday i was overextended and then the day before that i was amazing the day before that i was on the floor in tears yeah so like honestly <laughs> like you've got me on like a really good day <laughs> which we never know these days <laughs> yeah so that's the real answer but no today i feel today i feel grounded i feel present and i really feel clearer than I did in the past 48 hours because every day seems to offer some new challenges during this pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, you have your two kiddos. Um, Are you married? Like what's kind of like your situation? So I grew up in Jersey. So I talk fast. So I'll try to be cognizant of that as I'm actually doing the podcast. So um, grew up in Jersey. My mom is Latina. My dad is white. Um, Very blue collar. Mom was a stay-at-home mom. Four daughters. So there's Mm. four of us uh, all spread out. Two on the west, two on the east. Um, I am married for 13 years to an amazing man I met on Match.com in 2004. Early adopter. Yeah. uh, Thinking I was going to get killed for my first date because I was like, oh my god, this is the creepiest way to meet somebody. But I've always been a little bit of a workaholic um but I I define myself as the work that I do has always brought me pleasure so it's not like working to get money or working to push through to get a title um, even though I've always been passionate about work it has always been fueled by my joy um, and uh, yeah two kids four-year-old 11-year-old daughter is Harper son is Quinn a dog named Oliver and we live here in LA and I came east to west to study at USC and then I never left so that's kind of how I got here. Yeah. <laughs> how do you do, how do you deal with being so far away from family? Like yeah. is most of your family in another location? So are you kind of the outlier? I'm the outlier. I have okay. a younger sister. So the, I'm number two. Number okay. four is up in Portland, Oregon. We are such a close knit family. My dad was a hippie, like Woodstock. Um, and then my mom is like this fiery Latina who's like always loud and kind of vivacious. Mm-hmm. So then my other two sisters are on the East Coast. One's in Connecticut and one's in New Jersey. And my parents are there. So most of the family is East. And during this whole, like, I don't feel comfortable getting on a plane. So I really am sad some days that like, I don't get to see my parents and I don't think we'll be able to spend the Christmas holiday. And we're totally cheesy elves. Like we love Christmas. Mm -hmm. And so I think that'll be really hard when it gets closer to the time to like, accept that. Yeah, we'll see. But yeah, it's hard. Do you get a lot of um, like guilt from the family of of trying to like move, like move to the East Coast, especially like yeah. when the fires and COVID hit? Yeah. Is that like no? My mom really? and dad are like, you're happy there. That's where you belong. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I get I get a lot of guilt. It's hard. So where did you grow up? <laughs> well, so I'm from the, I'm from the Midwest. Oh, okay. I'm from the Midwest, but for the last like eight ish years um i've lived elsewhere like i lived in new york Mm. before this um my husband and i like we've actually like lived together since we were um like eight years ago we moved to new york together and then we moved here together so we've been like it's in a way it's kind of like we've been a family even before we really were but um yeah we lived in new york now live in san Mm. francisco and yeah it's it's hard i mean we i love it here he Mm. my husband misses new york he misses New York a lot. Where is he born and bred? Is he a New Yorker or East He's Coast? Pittsburgh. Oh, yeah. Pittsburgh. Okay. Yeah. So his family's still on the East Coast. Mine's in the yeah. mid- Midwest. So, like, we're really far away from yeah. all family. And, uh, oh, yeah, we get it. We get, get the guilt part, especially like we, our blue is the first granddaughter, first grandkid oh, on either side. So, and she's fake. like still young. And so, like, the baby phase when everyone just wants to squish Squeezer. her constantly. Yeah. yeah. That's hard. I would say that too. And I think that there's definitely the, the luxury outside of this moment. And so I do, I do have sympathy for you right now. I'm like, you can't go on a plane and go bring blue over to Pittsburgh or wherever in the Midwest you're from. I just feel like that's, that's hard. You know, I didn't have that. I was able to get on a plane with like a three month old baby um, and go get to the parents, grandparents or the grandparents so came we out here. Did. We actually oh, did. Oh, good. Yeah. We were just, <laughs> we were just, were you scared? In- I was freaking out. I will, I will okay. say like we, we went two months ago and I will say I was freaking out, but it was getting to the point where I was like, especially with our small space. I'm like, like we, I have yeah. no choice, like for yeah. our mental sanity right now, like we have to, and we did, mm. and we were supposed to go for a week and we went for two months. <laughs> Amazing. Where'd you go? We went Back to home? Wisconsin. Yeah. Oh. And then we went from Wisconsin to Philly um, to see his mom once. Amazing. Um, 
And so that was that definitely filled up our cups. Good. Now I feel like they're like there's like withdrawals from them yeah. now. So we're like right. they're wanting us to come back. But it was really good for our souls. And then we come back here and then there's like fires and we can't we can't get out. Yeah, you're like, why did I leave Wisconsin? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it does like oh. on a like a cellular level, I feel I feel really good being back here. I just yeah, I just want to get outside. Yeah, I think what my parents also recognize. I mean, I've I came out here. Gosh, I've spent more years in California than I have mm-hmm. in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. So I think that's also part of the reality. Um, but I also am very fortunate. Not right now, but when my parents, when we can, my parents always spend three months out here every summer. Oh nice. So we, my husband. That. Yeah, my husband loves them. They cohabitate really well. Um, we have an extra room and a private bathroom for them so they can come at their ease. Um, they love to have the time in California with the grandkids. Yeah. So part of me feels like as they've retired and gotten older, they have the ability to unplug from New Jersey mm-hmm. and come to California. And that gives my kids an ability to really get to kind of just be, cause it's hard. Vacation is not time to generate like memories. It's like yeah. rush, it's bustle, it's hustle. Yeah. It's like, whereas I feel like they're really the time when grandparents can get to know their grandkids is like what you guys did, which is commendable Taylor, like spend two months. Like my kids in a two week vacation back East, it's like, it doesn't form real memories or bonds. It's just, yes, you get to see your family, but you're not living in that moment. So I think when they're here longer, it's like the day-to-day, which might seem boring to someone, but to them, it's amazing. Yeah. So that's what I would say too. I'm really glad that you said that too, because that's been something that was actually, that's been a dream of ours before COVID. And then now Mm. my husband's totally remote. So it allows us to do that. Um, And that's also why we're like, well, let's, let's give this a try for a couple months. Let's see how this is like being Mm -hmm. all together in one roof for an extended period of time. Um, And I'll tell you, that's like, that's my long-term dream um, to either have people out here eventually or to then go see them and, and spend a month or two where they are for a while and and really get that quality time. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I think that's where, that's where Blue and your husband and you too will also just get like, you'll form those like really amazing memories. I just, I keep saying memories, but like the simplest memories of my parents having Mexican food here in LA with my kids on like a dinner where everyone was just like laughing. That's like the greatest fondest memory I have versus like a holiday or Thanksgiving dinner. It doesn't have to be so precious. Yeah. I just want real, you know? Yeah. And sometimes when you put so much pressure on a holiday or like Mm -hmm. four days, it, it can blow up in your face. Right? There's like so much totally. pressure on it that it it just doesn't. It's not life. It's not real. No. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally yeah. agree. Oh, I'm glad you got that time <laughs> together. That's amazing. Yeah, it was special. It was special. Good. So I'm I'm really curious to hear how you started Clever Creative. Um, yeah, I've, I've used to be in the agency world myself, so I'm, I'm oh. familiar with that world. And girl, I have to commend you because that is a cutthroat (laughs) industry. So I'm curious to hear like, yeah, how you started it, why you started it. Um, Let's talk about it. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, So I started Clever. So my background was actually in fine arts. Um, I graduated from USC with a fine arts degree and a minor in communications. Um, I think from being there in my undergrad studies, I realized there was this natural pull for me um, with my blue hair and my dicky coveralls, skateboarding in a very you know liberal arts college with a lot of sorority types, I can't lie, going from like one side of the campus to the business side of the campus is where I felt most inspired some days, which was interesting because one would think like as a fine art major, you're obviously wanting to be creating and making and tinkering. But there were like two days of the week where I would skateboard across and I would be sitting in entrepreneurial classes, whether they were economics classes or kind of, you know, psychology of brand or, uh, you know, personas of like how to connect on a strategic level to consumers and buying power. And I was fascinated. Um, And there was me, I think young me trying to figure out like, where can I connect those dots between business and creativity. 
Um, and so I plug that in here into the conversation to answer your question, because I do feel like that has been my journey, um, has always been trying to figure out how does one connect those dots? Because I think that was where I was meant to be. Wherever those dots were gonna come together was the professional space in which Shannon Gabor formerly Shannon Wallets would thrive. So um, when I left my, my undergrad education, I knew that working within a more traditional fine art spectrum, gallery, ownership, curation, et cetera, wasn't necessarily where I would be fulfilled. So I started off getting internships at more advertising agencies. And one of them that I interned with wound up hiring me. And that was my first kind of experience in advertising agencies and it was a promotional agency and we did all of the kids meal promotions for burger king so there was basically this playground and i'm very fortunate um, to have had a boss who hired me to stock markers and order lunch for the art directors but she gave me this ability to also recognize that if there was more that i wanted to learn there I could just use that key card. It didn't have an expiration time on it. So if I was as ambitious as I was, she said, get your stuff done. And if you are curious about how those graphic designers in the bullpen, what they're doing, how they do it, you know, pitches, how do we pitch for the business? Just be asking those questions. And if you want to participate, that's fine. Just get your stuff done. Mm -hmm. So those four and a half years really gave me this treasure chest of curiosity and answering questions about what it felt like to be a different type of a role within an agency structure. Um, and that was my first gig for four and a half years. And I wound up learning all the tools of a graphic designer, program-wise, terminology, vernacular, um, really starting to understand the connection points between an account person on marketing side versus an art director on the creative side, um, even having access to listening to feedback calls from the Burger King account side. So again, it was just a really special place to be, I have to say, and I some of my fondest memories, some of my most long-lasting friendships came from that one agency. And from there, uh, my boss that I spoke about, she was just a powerhouse. And I recognized how much of an impact she made on my career. Her name was Sue Davis. Uh, and Sue basically went to Mattel. And she decided to try something different. And she went to run the packaging department in girls brand at Mattel and grabbed me with her and said, come on. And I said, no, but I love the agency space. And she was like, come on. And so, <laughs> you know, it, it was, I'm glad I let her pull me because I would have stayed on the agency side. And the reason why I think I've had the vision for Clever was because I was able to spend time on both creative sides of the coin. I like to say, mm -hmm. I was able to serve a creative space on an agency and getting that perspective and POV of what it looks like to, to be a, I hate to use the word vendor, but you know, to be a vendor for a client or a brand. I mean, we use partner or clever, but at the time it was a transaction, right? Brand mm -hmm. needs something, agency fulfills it. Then I went on the brand side and I got to actually now be the one hiring those agencies. So that was the inflection point for me, Taylor, was like I started to realize I was about two and a half years into Mattel, um, still a lot to learn, but I started to realize that there was a lot of redundancy in which the way the creative and the account teams were managing the business, uh, the cost and the value of what I got so the big number on the scope mm -hmm. compared to the value I felt the work gave me wasn't consistent. Um, I also started getting a little annoyed that certain agencies were the agencies we could choose from. Mm. And I started to think like, well, who else is out there? Like, why are we not asking midsize agencies to pitch the business for Barbie or new Barbie extension brand? Um, so all of that kind of, I think, was percolating in my head. But again, it was too green to take a leap at that point. But I think at that moment, I did have an instinct to like become, you know, a taker of information, just be a sponge, absorb, learn, Shannon, like be on the ground. You're in this amazing brand that's such a global brand. It was thriving at the time. This is many years ago. Um, and 
you know, Barbie was iconic. It, I was a tomboy, so I didn't actually play with Barbie, which is also kind of ironic. My <laughs> first Barbie doll came from when I started my job in Mattel. They gave you like a welcome packet. I was like, this is my first Barbie doll. And they're like, wait, what? And I'm like, sorry, it's true. Uh, but, um, <laughs> but, you know, but, um, but I had an affinity and a total gratitude for the access to story that I was given. I mean, these are like, relic brands that our parents played with maybe even in some generations our grandparents played with mm -hmm. so i was not uh i was very thoughtful about how generous mattel was with all of us creatives mm -hmm. to give us the trust in communicating their brand so i think it was there that i recognized my affinity for branding and the connection between marketing and sales and how to push the right creative out there so just to clarify i was activating as a packaging designer that was my role there. Um, and I got sent to uh, Mattel's Asia Pacific offices in early 2000. And I worked there for just shy of a year and got to work in Hong Kong and go to the oh, factories awesome. and like learn all these crazy things. And I think I say all this only to get to the point where when I left Mattel in 2005, I felt ready as ready as one would. Um, I don't believe that you can learn to become an entrepreneur. I think you're born an entrepreneur. Um, I think that no one will ever be ready to leave a job, to have everything in a row, to then go do the thing that's really scary. Mm -hmm. I think success comes from taking a leap and finding your wings on the way down. And I think that that's my belief. Um, so I left Mattel in 2005. I had a very, very good job, uh, very lucrative paycheck, uh, a lot of stability, um, a lot of respect amongst my peers. Like I left a lot, mm -hmm. but I knew what I was leaving could always be mine again if it didn't work out. And I don't mean that in a non-humble way. I just knew how hard I had worked to get where I was. So if it wasn't going to work, I just felt like I could go and look again for something similar down the line. Mm -hmm. But if I didn't leave to try to make something that I knew had a space and a place in the agency space for, I would always regret it. So maybe that was naivete. I don't know. <laughs> but I left in 2005 and that's when I started Clever. And it was purely on the heels of like itching, trying to figure out, can I connect business and creativity and run a business while being a creative mind? Mm -hmm. And would that connection point allow me to approach serving as an agency to brands in a different way? Mm -hmm. So that was really the impetus for Clever and how I got there. So you, while you were working at Mattel, you had always had kind of this like entrepreneurial itch right? Like you're, you're thinking like, I want to start my own thing someday. Like, did you know you wanted it to be an agency? I didn't. I thought it was going to be a brand. Oh, um, yeah, I thought it was going to be a brand. Uh, I still have a brand idea that I won't share just yet. Maybe that'll be our next podcast yeah. year. Um, cause it's mama related. Um, mm. and it would be a product, an actual product okay. that would serve my lifestyle and the way that I like to live with my kids. Mm. Um, yeah, I thought it'd be a brand, a product. Cause I was in such a consumer focused brand, right? Mattel. It's like we produce toys and from Fisher Price to Hot Wheels to Barbie. So I didn't think it'd be an agency. And I think what you were saying earlier about like, wow, could you pick a harder industry? I guess I like, yeah, I didn't think about that. I just felt like there was, yeah, there was a space to kind of bring together the creatives. And so I like in Clever sometimes, I'm like, we're kind of like the island of misfits. <laughs> like we're not, I don't hire the resume. I don't hire a paper. I don't hire, oh, check marks, mark here. You were here, you were here. Mm -hmm. I hire the person and the ability to be ambitious in scope. And to me, it was like a dream to know that if I build something, um, I was 28 at the time, I thought, you know what, I want to be a mom one day. Like that was something that was non-negotiable in my future. I didn't have a husband at the time yet either. That was another part of it. But well, maybe I didn't need that well, we, either. We can, yeah, yeah, we yeah. <laughs> so, Just a small detail. <laughs> yeah, just a small detail. But I always felt like I wanted to be, I knew, not wanted to be, I knew I would be a mom. That was something that I always wanted to be. And I knew I was ambitious with work, but I knew that I couldn't have both in that same climate. So to your point, working in 
agencies in the world, right? In the past, you get it. Like there's not a sustainable way to do that within that space. At least I don't think there is. Maybe there is today, but it didn't feel like it then. So part of my starting Clever was also selfish. Like I knew that I wanted to play this role in my creative career, but I also knew that I wanted to check out and be a mom when I wanted to and not have to compromise that to some degree. So I really did think whether it was clairvoyant or not, um, I did think about that. That was like a big piece of it for me. It was like, how can I continue being an actively professional creative in this landscape while still one day fulfilling the bigger role that I would dream of, which was motherhood. That is so interesting that you say that because I've actually never had a conversation with somebody in that industry about that, but that was the exact thought process that I had when I left the industry. Um, I think I was, I think I was like 27, 28 mm. when I left too. And, or no, a little bit younger, actually. Mm. Even younger than that. Yeah. Because I, I had found, like, I mean, I was with my boyfriend, who was my boyfriend at the time, and then fiance, I think, when I left. Mm. And I was like, um, I mean, I was like, yeah, this is the guy, <laughs> the oh, guy I want to spend my life with. And so then like those, those thoughts about like being a mom amplified for me. Whereas mm-hmm. I actually remember when I was like 16, I had um, one of my first jobs or internships. I was at a pharmacy at Walgreens because I thought, okay, well, I know pharmacists make a lot of money and I know that their schedules are pretty flexible and maybe that could be a cool like uh, flexible job while I can be a mom, especially with the young years, like the, the young years when I want to make sure that I can be there when I want to be. So that was my whole thought process. And then, <laughs> and then I, um, I took like OCHEM in college and I just like straight up failed. And I'm like, okay, that's, that's actually like a, a really important class <laughs> to be good at. And I'm horrible at it. So I got to think about something else. But I was in the, yeah, when I was in the, the, I was at, um, I was at a creative agency in New York at the time and was working insane hours. Mm-hmm. And I saw all the women above me and, and the way that the industry, men and women, but I was specifically looking at the women above me and in other roles. And a lot of them weren't married. A lot of them didn't have kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just didn't see what I wanted in that. And um, I think, at the, at the time blamed it on a couple other things but ended up leaving and I'm like I want to start my own thing for the same reason of like mm. I want to be able to have my, my life I want to design my life how I want it to be instead of trying to fit what I want into a small box that this role would would you know roll out for me so that's just really interesting that you say that because I've never heard anyone else just say that so clearly of like that's that's that yeah. was the impetus behind it was that. total impetus and I also think what's so interesting you were far more like advanced than I was because I wasn't looking at those women in those offices of those roles thinking about what their family life looked like so that's really interesting too because now I'm like I won't name names but now I'm like oh what was so-and-so looking like in that room like because there were women who were married who had young kids or were even embarking on that parenthood journey um And so it's really interesting that you say that. Mattel's culture is phenomenal in that, obviously, because of the landscape and and the vertical it's in, they had great childcare. They had great facilities for lactation, um, you know. So that that was interesting too, right? Like where I left was very nurturing to some Mm -hmm. degree. We still work crazy hours, but there was definitely a sense of appreciation for motherhood and parenting by nature of the product brands. That was also my, um, like you just said, like um, the difference between agency and brand side, like that was the goal for a while for me too, Mm -hmm. was to get to brand side. And I just Mm -hmm. like, couldn't make that jump. It just never worked out. And so it was pushing me in a different direction. Um, And I'm still kind of in that path of figuring it out, to be honest. But so then I I guess saying that I'm curious, going back to what you had said about, so you, you left Mattel and you're like, okay, I'm going to start this brand. And do you, how do you how did you get from that to then your agency you know mm-hmm. kind of what was that personal journey that that you went through that kind of evolved like that yeah i mean it was uh you know it's funny when you do something and then you're like what did i just 
do. So I knew that I was doing it, obviously. Um, I had an interesting scenario. Um, and I think, again, it's testament to, I always tell my team, like, I don't think that hard work will ever, like, not pay off. So when I was at Mattel, I was actually, when I resigned, I was actually not leaving a project in the in a bad state, but I was still a piece of the project. Mm-hmm. And But I knew that I wouldn't be able to stay because it meant that I'd have to stay for three to six more months. And I literally really had this resignation letter in my messenger bag for at least two months. Mm -hmm. So like every week I thought it was the right week. And then the project team was like, oh my gosh, we have this crazy deadline. I was like, I can't do this to them. Okay. I won't send it today. And so I just like really had such a, cause I loved my team and I'm a passionate person, but I'm really compassionate, um, which I think could also be detriment in business sometimes. But um, one of my personal brand pillars is just like empathy and like people just in general. And so I like to be generous. So there was times where I couldn't leave because I felt like I'd leave in the dust. Well, long story short, at that time, I had met my husband at the time, just boyfriend. And he was like, look, if you don't do this now, you're like never going to do it. And I was like, okay, fine. So when I did resign, the project that I was working on, which is a Barbie program collaboration with a fashion brand, it really wasn't done. And so Mattel, as many corporate businesses, you know, the day you resign is your last day. And I totally respected that. Of course, there I am going like, but I can just like help for like a couple hours tomorrow. They're like, no, you said you're leaving, you're leaving. (laughs) So I was like, okay. So I just remember like within a 24 hour period, I went from um, a full-time employee badge to a contractor, which wasn't now, I don't believe that's the case and possibility, but at the time you could. So my boss at the time recognized that this person, despite her not desiring to stay full-time, we still need Shannon's creativity to help this project through. Maybe we hire her as a consultant. So I kind of got the best gift in the world. So I oh, left yeah. my full-time job, but then they brought me on as a consultant so I could actually still pay my bills mm-hmm. because Clever has always been independent. Um, we are women-owned um, and operated, and it was bootstrapped with my last two payroll pay- paychecks from Mattel. So I don't, still to this day, have never gotten an investor or capital. It's always been bootstrapped on our own. And um, yeah, so that was kind of interesting. So, I mean, for me, starting clever was a little bit easier maybe than some because I did have a little bit of a runway so they brought me on as a consultant for about a month and a half and then during that month and a half is when I started to really hit the ground and I am not shy and I when I see something I'm a total Aries I go for it. And I also know in myself, if I commit to something, I'm going to, especially right now in this pandemic, which has been very difficult, I just know that I have to remain disciplined mm-hmm. and continue to, to, to illuminate, but then also to push forward with all of my gusto, whatever it takes. I will put whatever last bit in my tank goes into what I'm passionate about. Um, And so I just started calling people who at that first job I had, um, my first role at the promotions agency, I kept calling people like, and then that person was now at this entertainment studio and that person was at a brand and that person was at this. Mm -hmm. And I started to realize like, wow, good thing I was like a hardworking person in that first job because now these people remember me as that. So really out of the gate, what happened was um, I called up a gentleman who had been uh, a peer of mine. He was also in a different role at that day I called him than he was in the past. Mm -hmm. He was more in an assistant level. Um, So we had a lot of simpatico because I was an assistant at the first, in that first agency role. I worked my way up, he worked his way up. And then he left and went the entertainment route and worked in marketing. And at the time when I called him, he was sitting in a nice corner office uh, with a lot of need for creative services. Mm. And so he became our first client uh, and wound up becoming um, a 14 year client of the business and started with one uh, small project for the Polar Express. Uh, So I'm dating myself here. He needed some deck design for PowerPoint. Um, I was capable of more, but that's what he needed. And Mm -hmm. so I think the other aha moment for me was like, be humble when you start. Mm -hmm. 
And like, you may not get what you think you deserve to get, whether it's a price tag or um, a deliverable or your talents are not being resourced the same way you think they should. It doesn't matter. You're here to prove your worth and your value by showing up. And so all of the other things you think you deserve or the big thought you have about landing that account, it will happen. But you need to also be humble and remember, like, how did you start your first job? How did you get to owning a business today, Shannon? Oh, right. You ordered markers and like sandwiches, like <laughs> 20 years before that. So like, you may not be ordering markers and sandwiches, but hey, you might be designing a PowerPoint deck and that's yeah. okay. But, um, so that account, I think it was like a $1,100 project. And I did it in the comfort of my living room in my first studio apartment in LA. And that account through nature of tapping into my, I call it my human metrics, just mm -hmm. like my ability to connect with people um, and to deliver value and to do it in a way that felt extremely collaborative that 1100 project 1100 project turned into eight million dollars over 14 wow. years and that became our largest account and that basically fueled the growth of my company wow yeah crazy that is pretty amazing and i <laughs> i love the way that you've like your perspective on that too because it's like you have to start from somewhere and it sounds like you have you've and through your hard work this is not just like something that you've just pulled out of thin air through your your hard work and maybe even like proof to yourself that you can do the things that you put your mind to it sounds like there's there's been a lot of faith too that there has to be mm -hmm. a lot of faith in in yourself but also the process that like mm -hmm. if i show up and i just do this thing this powerpoint deck good and then i do the next one not good but great and i do the next one great and great it's going to have faith that the process will work in your favor, mm -hmm. that life will work in your favor, mm -hmm. um, that you just keep showing up and you just keep mm -hmm. doing the, the best you can do. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. so funny. I've never really used that specific word, but you're totally right. I mean, absolutely. And I think that also resonates for me in this current moment of like being in, I'm really bruised. It's been really hard for us. Clever got hit really hard out of the gate as did the world. Mm -hmm. So I'm not alone, which does make the bruises feel a little less painful, but I do, I wake up with the perspective and the optimism that if this has worked for 15 years and we, and the team that I have, whose hand is always on my back, I can feel it. Mm -hmm. There really isn't a reason, Shannon Gabor, why Clever can't still be Clever in January of 21. Mm -hmm. Like really, there isn't. Um, will it look the same on paper in a financial report? No. Um, will the phone be ringing hypothetically, as often as it was six months ago? No. Yeah. But what do I know? And here's what I know. Here's what I know. I know that I have this qualified team. I have passionate passion still in my creative gut. Um, we are a value add to a business and a brand. We are ethical and moral. We have clarity in our offering. Um, and when I think about that on the business side, I'm blessed in so many ways on the personal side. But when I look at that in the business side, I do think that word faith. Um, I didn't think I carried it in my business, but obviously I have to. Otherwise, I wouldn't be where I am today. Um, because, yeah, you can get a lot of no's and those no's could like let you pivot or those yeah. no's could propel you forward. And I think all the no's that I've gotten over the years have totally propelled me forward. But I think it's a combination of like my spirit of like, oh, really? Okay, well, then I'm going to prove something. Yeah. Like there is a little bit of that I can sense that me. from you. Yeah. yeah, you're like a fighter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <For sure. laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, it's interesting. Um, but faith, I like that. I'm going to carry that into my dialogue more often. Yeah, that's that yeah. was the first thing that really called out to me as you were explaining mm -hmm. that. And thank you for sharing that story because I, I – I love that story. Yeah, <laughs> it just gives you. me, it gives me a fresh perspective too of somebody who has, um, yeah, like you go out on a limb, you have some faith in yourself mm -hmm. and you're really crystal clear, maybe not in the moment per se, but you're, you're mm -hmm. clear about like yourself and what mm -hmm. you bring to the table and then just putting one step in front of the other and having faith that like yeah. it's going to work out. And, yeah. and, and you're on like, you're on the place where you've created that now and right. you have your, your beautiful family and yeah. 
Um, so I want to ask more questions about how that all works for you then, because I mean, both are hard. Being a mom is hard. Mm -hmm. Running your own business is hard and you're doing both. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious then, like, at what point of the story did you create, like, did you create your agency and your business first and then you had your kids or did they kind of like intermix? Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. So 05 is when I started Clever and my daughter was born in 2009. So I had the business for four years before Harper was born into the world. Um, And I had, you know, Clever is, we're all women agency and we've always been a champion. That's more recently, but we've always been a champion for female voices. Um, Typically a a woman's voice within a POV that might be more male induced. Mm -hmm. So I think that is important to share because my agency, I built it to allow me to birth my children. Mm -hmm. So the culture in which we existed was one of support. So I am in a fortunate position where I did have my children. It didn't mean I could go off for five months and never touch my email, but I did take a relatively long maternity leave and I worked from home for both kids for about four to five months. Mm -hmm. Um, And I had the luxury of a team who I trusted and I, you know, I was supportive to them as then they were equally supportive to me. Um, But I always, I think that my definition of like the, the motherhood, component to the businesswoman component really came clear to me when I had my son Um, because my daughter and my son are seven years apart. So having one child where you can dote on and um, having the flexibility of a company that was really thriving and growing when her younger years were her younger years. My son was born four years ago, but two years ago, we actually lost the Warner Brothers account. And that was because of the AT&T acquisition with mm-hmm. Warner Brothers. So Warner Media became born. We still work with Warner Media now, but that one account just got dissolved because they brought everything in house. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I'm mentioning it is that was a pivotal moment for me to recognize that Quinn deserved more of me, but yet my business required more energy at that point. So mm-hmm. it was not thriving at the same level that it was thriving when Harper was that age. And I'm a big believer that like you mold your children in those formidable years, whether it's the first hundred days, they say, there's a lot happening in those brains, all developmentally, all the way through, I believe they become who they are. This is not psychotherapy or like, I don't even know biologically if this is okay to say on this podcast, but I believe my kids over my kids by like three, four, like, I'm like, I know who you are. Like, you're going to show up in the world like that, Harper. And Quinn, you're going to show up in the world like that. And so for me, it has always been super important that my children do not get Shannon Gabor of Clever. Mm. That is not okay. They never get Shannon Gabor of Clever. During COVID, it's been hard because we're all in the same house. But when I'll speak pre-COVID, I always made sure that my two hours in the morning we're not on a laptop, not on a phone call. And if a client got asked for a time between the hours of seven and nine 30 in the morning, it was, I was unavailable. Mm-hmm. So even if they were on the East coast, it didn't matter. Sorry. So I always preciously like created a space in the morning to be mom uninterrupted and not try to get ahead of my work day. Mm-hmm. No. Um, and then I'd go to work. So I dropped them off at school or preschool, make them warm breakfast. I'm a big cook. I love to make sure my kids have their real goodness in their bellies. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'd bring them to school, uh, respectfully preschool and then elementary school. And then I'd go to Clever. And when I walked through the threshold of Clever, I was Clever. I was Shannon Gabor, CEO or you know founder. Then when I left Clever, my last phone call, my rule, it's an unwritten rule. It's just a rule that I made up. I made a pact to myself that any phone call or email had to be completed for the day before I walked through back into the threshold of that house Mm -hmm. because they didn't deserve mom halfway. Oh, like, you know, Dara, we have visual aids, but like, okay, yeah. Oh, Harper, hold on a second. Yeah. So, I mean, I'd send the, let's send the scope of work and that is not okay because they didn't sign up for that mom. They, they deserve full mom. So I had to really identify some clear guardrails for myself as an entrepreneurial mom to say morning is precious and family time and dinner is precious. Once they go to bed, 
if I have some generating business leads or a client has an urgency, of course the laptop comes open. But what I didn't want them to see was mom on a screen all the time when they were around because they deserve a present mother. And that was something I had to make a pact to myself to continue. So that is something that is non-negotiable in my life as an entrepreneur and a mom. I really commend you for that because I think creating, I mean, I call it creating boundaries of sorts is really hard. Um, And also when you have the pressures of things that you're so passionate and excited about with Mm -hmm. the work that you love and the family you love, has there, for anyone listening in, is there some advice that you would give about how you maybe fight some of some of those conflicting feelings you might have around like that tendency or that like itch where you know like you have this one other email in your inbox that you forgot to get to or this one thing that you could send this coworker like you, that you just thought of or um or vice versa you know how do you how do you put those in in such clear buckets and mm-hmm. then and then stay consistent with it i think that it's way easier to allow an email to wait than a child Uh, what's happening in a child, that moment is going to be so much more magical than getting that email done. It might feel more accomplished. You might feel more a sense of accomplishment in that moment to get that thing out of your inbox or to reply back to your coworker. But the reality is, is what's in front of you is living and alive. And you can't stop that. Like that is, a you know, and so I think for me, it's just a matter of just staying clear with my commitment to myself. Um, I think everyone has to make that commitment to themselves that works for them though. You know, I mean, there are some parents who subscribe. I do, you know, no two screens at the living room. If we're watching last night, we're watching American Ninja Warrior. And then like my daughter's on her laptop finishing up her science and my husband's on his phone. And I was kind of like the unpopular person in the room. (laughs) And I was like, Hey guys, like I have the remote. It's either going to get a shut off or you guys are putting a screen away. We're not doing double screens. Like you all asked for family time. And now we're sitting here and three quarters of the people in the room are not even watching the family time decision. So I think it's, I'm kind of a hard ass sometimes. Like, I don't know. I've been very committed to my decisions on how to keep separation and boundaries. Um, And yeah, I am the unpopular mom sometimes. I don't know. I'm very loving and soft and like, but I don't like, I like to speak up, you know? And so. Well, you're strict about like, it sounds, from my perspective, it sounds like you're very clear on your priorities. Like when I ask about like, how do you keep those things separate? It's like getting to the root of it. It's like, well, what's really the most important thing to you? Mm-hmm. Because then that like, that makes those decisions mm-hmm. so much easier. I have totally. a similar thing with my husband and I, um, at the end of the day, um, right now, like he's the one at like a corporate job that has yeah. more demanding hours and meetings, but mm-hmm. there is like a time threshold. Like I even put a calendar thing on mm-hmm. our phones. It's like at four o'clock, that's mm-hmm. family time. Like, mm-hmm. and I, I keep like threatening this, but I think I'm going to do it. I'm like you, I'm like a hard ass where I'm like, do I need to get a basket? Do I yeah. need to get a basket where we put yeah. our cell phones in and then we leave them there for the night? Because same thing where it's like, mm-hmm. mine's a little bit more flexible, but I also mm-hmm. find myself that because it's so flexible, I can get a little bit lax, yeah. um, especially at the end of the day. And it's like, mm-hmm. if two or three days go by and we don't have that hour or two mm-hmm. together um, during dinner or before bedtime, like I feel it. And mm-hmm. like, we're not connecting as well. We're not mm-hmm. vibing as well. And so that's where, that's always where my priorities been. And, and since getting clear from it's that great. perspective, it's been easier. So I'm mm-hmm. glad like it sounds like you reassured it for me. Yeah, no, totally. And the other thing too is some people might not agree with this listening and that's totally fine. That's why the world goes round. There's different perspectives, but I do run my household like a business. And it sounds yeah. like you kind of edged in on that with that suggestion of like scheduling a cutoff time, you know, because I am business minded and I activate a certain way during my day for anyone listening who runs a business, starting a business or has a side business with another job. Like think about it. There is a, there is a, there is a reason why creating boundaries and time slots in a given day. So you can be productive exists in your work world. So it's okay to do that in your life world and your parent world, because I think that it also will help your, your household commit with you. So I have a sticky note posted that's on my mirror where I brush my teeth and it says today you'll let one person down. And in the past, it was a longer note and it would clarify whether that was going to be myself down, 
my husband, my children, my coworker, my client. Because the reality is, is you have to not have that guilt. And so for me, it was a relinquishment of guilt that in that 24 hour span where I was activating and firing on all cylinders and all responsibilities, I was going to let someone down. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to acknowledge every morning that that was okay because the next day, I could maybe make it up or think about it again or reflect on it. But I think sometimes when we try to do so much, we think we can do it all. And that's obviously not possible. So mm -hmm. for me, it was a tactic and a tool to allow me to just be kinder to myself at the start of every morning and recognize like I am a badass. I have made my badassness by putting so much responsibility on my shoulders and I love it and I thrive off of it. And if I ever say I hate it, I'm lying to you. But I also knew that if I'm not acknowledging that I'm going to carry guilt into my day and that's not going to serve anybody. Yeah. So that's kind of what that whole tool was. And it's a post. That's that I, I mean, like, I honestly feel like what's so funny is that, and I don't know if this is like, um, um, you hear it more. I mean, as a woman, I listen to what women say more than men in, on this topic, but like you hear it more from women than men, but it's like this needing to give ourselves permission for certain things. And I feel like just hearing you say that, like that you give yourself permission to let someone down basically during that day. It's like, you just gave me permission and <laughs> yeah. you give every other person listening in like yeah. the permission to be like, you're going to let someone down today. And that's just okay. That's just okay. life. That's just going to happen. Yeah. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that too. I'm, I'm going to do that a second we get off this. Yeah, this you have to. Yeah. For my it's husband like, and I. Yeah. Yeah. It's I think so too, true. what you talk about with letting people down too, I think it's such a natural thing that happens, I mean, in life in general and, and as somebody who wants to um, engage in a lot of different ways in your life, like by, with you having a family, having, um, and like your existing big family, your four, you know, um, three other sisters and your mom and dad, then you have your, you know, growing family, then you have your business that you're growing, you have friends that like through all of that, if you want to have a full life, it's going to mean that you're going to drop a plate every once in a while if you're juggling so much. But like, if you let that one plate that you drop just allow you to then drop everything else it's like you have to let yourself like give that give yourself that grace and that's something that I've been noticing too as as we became um parents in this last year is just yeah. it's like ooh, it's like an overwhelming amount of stuff on your plate that you're having yeah. to then juggle and I just I really love that um that trick that you just that just like blew my yeah. Mind. Yeah, it's like so simple. <laughs> yeah. And I also think that the analogy of like when I first got a family tree, like to fill in with the kids' names and stuff, I started to realize mm. like, wow, like sometimes we all are the trunk in our lives, right? We're this big, like girth image of like something so solid and sturdy. But then as the tree grows, the branches start to pull off. And those branches require the tree to be equally strong. So sometimes I also remind myself if I don't replenish being the trunk, like water, eat, have lunch, go exercise, get a breath of air. Cause we're in a house now here in LA. Like I never leave. It's sad. Yeah. Like, Oh, I haven't left the house in three days. This is really sad. I've been on 13 virtual calls in like one hour. So yeah. I feel like, you know, so like, it's like, I always remember that. I feel like there is a much more articulate Chinese proverb in here, probably Taylor, but like <laughs> the idea of like a tree growing and spurting out these other branches, those branches require the tree to be equally strong. If that trunk doesn't stay solid, nothing can grow off of it. Yeah. So I think that us mamas need to also remember that people require a lot of us, whether it's breastfeeding all the way through making the baby and gestation, all the way through birthing, all the way through raising. And of course, many of us have the help and the parents, the other parent side, whether it's male or female helping us as a counterpart. But like, when you think about it as a woman, like, our bodies go through so much and then we add on this guilt layer and mm -hmm. I'm like we have to stop yeah it's just how much can one human take so I think that's also a nice reminder of like we are sometimes that kind of 
sturdy trunk that people rely on for a lot of resources. One of the questions that I actually had, so it's a good segue, was what do you do for you these days? Because I know, you know, you're, we're all locked in our homes right now. Mm -hmm. So, Um, so for me, I try my best. And again, like that post-it note, I won't say every day, because I think Mm -hmm. that's like Instagram making people feel the pressure of like looking perfect, right? Like these moms where everything looks so great. My Instagram is not perfect, everybody. (laughs) It's private. If you want to follow me, I'll make sure you're a legit mom or something. But um, yeah, but um, my, yeah, my morning ritual is my gratitude journal. Um, I've adopted about six years ago, the ceremony of my morning. Um, It has to happen in 15 minutes. It's not a long ceremony, Uh, but um, I, Due diligence, wake up around 5.45 or 6 a.m. My kids get up at 6.30. So ceremoniously, I need to get 15 minutes in where I can do my gratitude journal. Um, I also like to just have some sort of like moment with my husband, even if it's like brushing our teeth in the bathroom, um, of just like, hey, babe, what's your day look like? And what's my day look like? And all that. So a little dialogue. Mm-hmm. Um, And then um, around like, I would say that's about like a 15, 20 minute gesture. Once that happens and I get right on my exercise. And so I'm always been a plus size woman and I love it. And that's just my body type. And no matter how hard I work out, I'm always round. Um, But it's more for my mental stability. So I fortunately did invest in a Peloton in October last year. So thank God for everyone wanted one. We have one already, right? Oh my God. So for me, since you Peloton, you get it. It's either a Robin morning or it's a Matt Wilpers morning or it's a Christine. I am, I will, I can, I do morning. Um, so yeah, so for me, that's like a tw- sometimes it's 20 minutes. Sometimes it's 30, sometimes it's 45. It depends on like how self-sufficient my children are that morning. So if it's a cereal morning, so twice a week, I choose cold breakfast and three times a week is warm breakfast. I used to do five days of warm breakfast. And in the past six months, that's not sustainable. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so um, usually my two cold breakfasts means the kids can go and get their own. And those two days are typically a longer Peloton ride. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I do some sort of movement in the morning. Um, and then kids get the kids set up now in virtual classrooms. So Harper starts school at eight 30 Quinn, um, doesn't have school. So we do have help during the day, thank God. Mm-hmm. And she's amazing. So I'll get him set up in some sort of kind of curriculum focus. Like you're going to go outside a little bit and then, um, shower. And then I'm on for my stand up with my team at nine 30. So that's like my morning question about the breakfast. Do you say like, okay, on like Monday and Wednesday, those are like the cold breakfast days. And then the other days are the hot, like, do you already have those planned out? Oh yeah. Monday, Friday, because I mean, (laughs) let's just be real. Like you've had your kids for two solid, (laughs) you have the weekend. You're like, get out of my face kids. I love you, but like, go make your damn breakfast. So yeah. And then Friday is like super easy. Like I might grab donuts or something not super healthy, but then like Tuesday to Thursday, it's warm breakfast. And my kids have a different Unfortunately, one is savory, one is sweet, so it doesn't make my life easier. But we have like three like egg dishes on rotation and like two type of crepe pancake on rotation and all that. So I love this. Like (laughs) you talk and like, oh my God, this girl is like so much like me or I'm so much like her. I should that's the way I'm viewing it of like, wow, like I'm I feel like I'm just like, okay, I'm looking at this boss girl and I'm like (laughs) I'm doing all the things right. Like That's right. You're with me. You're right yes, there with I'm me. I'm with you, girl. I love this. <laughs> I love it. I'm all about it. <laughs> well, thank you so yeah. much, Shannon. I just had one last question to ask just yeah. as we close up. I've really, really, really enjoyed this, and I would love to, to stay in touch with you. Please, and, let's do that. We have to yeah, make a Yeah, I would love that. You, you're awesome. But my question that is, and you've kind of touched on, on this a little bit, but I just want to ask it more cohesively, mm-hmm. you know, what advice or wisdom would you offer up to other mamas listening in who are either looking to start a business right now mm-hmm. or like have their own business or in the process of starting one? You know, I'm kind of there. I have other people who have like, who have reached out about time management questions mm-hmm. and things that I mean, you've already given such like great nuggets, but is there any other like thoughts or things that you'd like to offer up? Um, yeah, I think um, one truth about running a business is you're going to get to a juncture where your north star of why you did it gets lost because you get caught up in a role or a need within your business that no longer serves why you started it 
And I say that from an empathetic, vulnerable stage of that happened about two years ago. And I really had to be super honest with myself and say, like, do you even want to do this next year? And my answer was like, no, not if it means this is the role I'm playing. So I don't think that means you have to be in business for 13 years to get to that point. To answer your question, I think it's anyone starting, I would give you this advice. Create a clear zone of joy. Like where is your zone of genius and in your brand or your business or the thing that you want to start and write it down, whether it's visually, verbally, tattooed, what have you. Keep it nearby because I think at the end of the day, so much of us lose that perspective of what brings us joy in work. There is joy in work. Otherwise, you wouldn't be doing it. And if it isn't, then you have to find something else to do because if it's just fueled by a paycheck or financials or you know, acquisition or future stock options, I'm sorry to tell you all, that's not sustainable. That's not going to literally fulfill you in your career. Mm -hmm. So I would say, yeah, just keep that eye on like, where do you have joy in your business or your brand? So as it grows and as you start to get pulled into the operational side of your business or HR side of your business, you check in with yourself and you say like, if I did this role within my company for another three years, would I be happy? Because I think that recenters you. Mm. Yeah. I really like that. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. For sharing that. You're welcome. <laughs> I mean, this was like the most fun, by the way. Thank you for having me. Of course. I would love to have you on again too when you've got your your brand or your, yes. your new project on. Let's let's let's, let's stay in do touch that for sure. Okay. It's been so great talking with you, Shannon. Thank you so much. And I say all the mamas out there, just don't be so hard on yourself. Smile. And I think that smiling right now in the pandemic is an act of bravery. Yeah. So do it. 